Six always. That's, that's for the culture. Happy Sunday, y'all. Welcome to another installment of the Bucks and Six podcast. I am your host with the most slash the only person here, DJ. Now, it's weird talking to y'all on a Sunday, but that's okay. Been a little busy with school. I think just with the fact that it's the end of the semester, you know, everything's winding down, catching up on all the stuff I procrastinated on because I was watching too much ball. That's okay. That's a nice chuckle to have. But yeah, I think for the next little bit until probably second week of December, issues might be a little spaced out just like this one is because I didn't do one last week because I had school stuff to do. But either way, we're back. We're better. Let's get right into it. So as you guys all know, we always start our issues with every, no, we always start every, that was some really whack grammar. We always start every issue with a take of the day. And this one is Alex Caruso will make an all defensive team this year. He's tied for the league lead in steals. And man, in my opinion, he's probably the most valuable player contract wise. Four years, $37 million. Such a steal, especially considering the fact that again, he's averaging 2.3 steals a game. And he's literally, he's a clapper, bro. He's a part of one of the best defensive backcourts, in my opinion, him and Lonzo. They rival Drew and uh, Dante DiVincenzo pretty decently, if you ask me. Now, all jokes set aside, I think those are definitely one of, if not the two best backcourts in the league right now. And yeah, man, shoot. I love Alex Caruso. I recently got into collecting basketball cards again, and I pulled an Alex Caruso card. And man, shit, I take that over a second round pick rookie any day. Now, but all jokes set aside, Alex Caruso, super duper duper. Dude, that guy's got such a nice story. I think all his hard work and all his dedication will come to fruition and the fact that he's going to make an all-defensive team this year. Could be first-team all-defense as the second guard with uh, Drew, if you ask me. Nava, all jokes set aside, you guys know what we do around here. I got to give that take a... Appreciate it always, Chuck. Now, for this first little bit, just because, you know, we took a little week hiatus... We're going to do a little thing extra, not necessarily special, but a little extra here. So, as you guys all know, as I say every issue, we had a take of the day. Now that we're about like 20-ish games of the season, I think that's like, obviously it's not as good of a sample size as say 30 or 40. I think we're at the point where, you know, most teams are starting to get a sense for how their season's going to go. Like if you're the Rockets, which I was so, I was so wrong about them. I literally thought they were going to be like this year's Hornets. It'd be a lot of fun to watch, but man. 1 in 14 or 15 or whatever, that shit ain't fun. Actually, no, they won against the Bulls, though. They're a team I thought would be way better than they are right now, and clearly it's not working out. So, what we're going to do, we're going to go through all the takes I've said so far and just kind of, you know, evaluate them, see how they're going. Number one, this one's the homer here. Actually, the two first two are homers, but Giannis will win his third MVP this coming season. He's starting to heat up with the Bucks starting to get healthy. Games are going to open up a lot more for him. I mean, he's had the second highest scoring output so far this year behind Steph. He had that 49 piece, in which, in my opinion, that's been his best game since game six. But either way, Giannis, yeah, again, I think he's starting to heat up. The three's starting to fall for him a decent bit. I don't like when he starts to settle it for it, though, as I'll talk about it later with the Hawks game. I don't like when he's when he's hunting the three ball. I very much enjoy it when he's, you know, catching it in catch-and-shoot situations. But either way, Giannis is starting to heat up, and I think it's a race between him and Steph at this point. After that one, the second homer one is Jordan Awara will play meaningful minutes this season. He's averaging about 20 minutes as of now, so I guess you could consider that meaningful minutes. However, still stanking it up as a defender. He's definitely improved, but he's gone from like a poor defender to a somewhat poor defender, in my opinion. But still a young guy, got a lot of time to grow, and he's learning from two of the best defensive players in the league right now, Drew and Giannis, so not that worried about him. However, there's one thing I am worried about. It's the fact that he picked up a couple of DNPs as a result of his poor defensive manner. He's been in the rotation recently, plays a lot of garbage time though. However, he gets buckets, so it's all good. Next one, this one's a super cold take. <laughs> I don't even want to read it, but Kobe White will win sixth round of the year. This one definitely didn't age well. However, Kobe could be a trade target at the deadline, I think. 
as much as I like the idea of him as a six man, I don't know if he's willing to buy into that, especially considering he has a very high draft pick. So could potentially see him being a guy that's on the move to another situation, you know, all that greener pastures type of stuff. However, he's healthy, he's starting to play again. I'm just hoping that, again, he stays healthy and he starts to hoop. After that, this one I think was pretty decent. Fred Van Vliet will solidify himself as the guard of the Raptors. I think he's having a super solid season. Toronto has struck gold again with Van Vliet, in my opinion. Shit, man, outside of the Bucks, they're probably the best draft team. Nah, biases set aside, I think Toronto is one of, if not the best teams when it comes to drafting. I mean, if you think about it, Pascal Siakam, outside the lottery. OG Ananobi, pretty sure he's outside the lottery. Kyle Lowry, well, they didn't draft him, but, you know, solid pick. Or not solid pickup. Scotty Barnes. A lot of people that people were like, why the fuck would you draft that guy when you got Jalen Suggs on the board? Definitely looking like not necessarily a steal, but the right pick. But either way, when it comes to, you know, the man, the myth, the legend, Fred Van Vliet. Like you could literally make a movie about his life. I think it's still crazy that he went undrafted, but he has extra points for the Sam Cassell celebration. Regardless, I don't know if I necessarily label him as Lowry's replacement. Well, I guess... From a fit standpoint, definitely. However, from a cultural and impact standpoint, I think there's still a lot of room for him to grow there. Fred is definitely one of the premier guards in the league right now. I'd definitely put him maybe like, if he's like top 15, he's at like 15 or 14 in my opinion. But that's also just considering the fact that I'm thinking on the fly here. So he might not even be on that list at all. However, if I had to, you know, again, be on the fly as it is right now, I'd put him there. Coming from that Eastern Conference team, we're gonna talk about another Eastern Conference team. Here's this next one. Kyle Kuzma shows he still got a bit of the X-Factor genes as he averages career highs and begins to make a case for being a second option on the Wizards. When it comes to Kyle Kuzma, he's very much been a meme. I mean, he's already had his meme moment with that sweater where everyone was dogging on his ass. Not a career year, but a solid year. However, efficiency is a little bit of a concern. He's shooting less than 60% from the line. Last time I checked, I think it's like 57. Whew, that is stinky. Even Giannis doesn't shoot that bad from the free throw line. But regardless, he's having a nice solid year, definitely showing that he can still play. I think it's just a matter of him starting to ramp it all back up. I think with Rui Hachimura coming back, might be a little bit of upset to his rhythm, but the Wizards are a solid team this year. I think they'll definitely be in the playoffs. Hopefully just not a play-in spot because I think Bradley Beal deserves to not have to worry about that. So I'd consider this cold. There's, Oh yeah, you heard it there. I'd consider this take to be cold so far. However, not cold to the point of like a Kobe White take. Now heading up, this one's a little sad because it's out of his, uh, it's out of his control. But Michael Porter Jr. will be a top-level scorer in the West's year slash potential MIP. In my opinion, this is low-key shot, I think, or the latest news isn't too promising as the fact that he might not even play the rest of the year. His season's in jeopardy, his back is acting up again, just hoping for a speedy recovery. But either way, man, I just hope that he stays healthy regardless of if he plays or not. Because at the end of the day, that's all I really care about for these, like, for NBA players. You know, injuries suck, definitely, like, takes some of the fun out of the league but they're also a part of it. I mean, if you think about it, a lot of people will always say that's the reason the Bucks won, and I agree. However, health and wealth, not health and wealth, just health is a really big part of it in terms of winning a championship, and man, I think the Nuggets are fully healthy or a contender, but obviously, right now, they're off their, two, th their three best players. Either way, yeah, I think this take is pretty much shot, but we'll see what happens. Crazier things have happened in the league. After that, this one, next one is, Sacramento shits the bed, misses the playoffs, and the De'Aaron Fox era in Sacramento is in jeopardy. To make matters worse, Swiper gets his first all-star selection. Now, when it comes to De'Aaron Fox, having a bit of a stinky season. He hasn't had, he's averaging career lows since his rookie season right now, and everything in Sacramento is in shambles. They fired their coach. 
Marvin Bagley situation. Although he's starting to get his way back into the rotation. I don't know if like they reconcile things or it's just so that he can like up his trade value. But either way, when you have something like that happening, that's never a good look. As well as poor draft choices. It's crazy to think that a team that drafted their cornerstone, foundational, core point guard like a few years ago have literally gone guard in the next few drafts except for Marvin Bagley. But either way, yeah, Sacramento, they, they man, the owner of the Sacramento must have done some fucked up shit because it's just a cursed franchise at this point, man. Regardless, they just beat the Lakers at the time of my recording and man, yeah, fuck the Lakers, nah. Shit talking set aside, man, I just feel bad for De'Aaron Fox. I want to see that man play some meaningful basketball. However, I just don't know if it's going to be in Sacramento. But he heals another guy like on that team. I hope he gets traded and gets to play in another situation. But the Lakers are really kicking themselves about that one this right now. But from there, from that Western Conference team, let's talk about another one. Man, this one, I think I was just drinking the Kool-Aid, but either way, I'll read it. KVJ comes into his own, averaging 20 and 10, and solidifies the Rockets as a young team to watch out for. As I said earlier, I was definitely drinking the Kool-Aid on this one. Now, when it comes to Kevin Porter Jr., he's having a stinker of a season. I think a lot of that's just to the fact that he's adjusting to playing the point guard which I think is one of the hardest positions, if not the hardest in the league, aside from maybe center, in terms of like the transition, heading back to there. I think KPJ is going to heat up, however, might be a while before he's a true point guard. And in my opinion, I think that leads to why I think John Wall should suit up. As much as mentoring is great, you know, you love to have that guy that's in your ear that, you know, knows his shit. Nothing beats the real thing. I think John Wall should suit up. So at least if he does want to get traded, he can show that, man, I can still hoop. But also... Man, John Wall, collect your 90 million, bro. You earned that shit. But again, I think as much as like him telling him how to read the game and how to like play the point guard position, I don't think that really works unless he sees like a true point guard playing the position. At least to the level of John Wall, because I mean, they got DJ Augustine, but he ain't no John Wall. Regardless, yeah, he's definitely having a stinker of the season. He's on my fantasy team. I don't want to drop him, but he's like ranked 200 something right now, so I might have to, but I'm not going to. I really believe in that guy. He'll definitely pick it up this season. However, might be a while before that happens. <laughs> Next one up, still staying on the West Coast. Golden State returns to form and is a legitimate contender in the West. I mean, not much to say here. They're hooping. Most loaded team when healthy, especially offensively. And just watching them, man, watching the Golden State Warriors play on their offense, as well as the defense in some points, that shit's literally like poetry in motion. It's better than watching some dances sometimes, in my opinion. But either way, yeah, Golden State, clear contender right now. Especially considering the fact that they don't have the second best shooter of all time back yet. Now, we're going to switch off from the West Coast from here. We're going to head over to the East. We got the Hornets have found their Robin to LaMelo's Batman in Miles Bridges. And he's also an early favorite for MIP. Now, I know this take doesn't seem like much of a take because it seems kind of obvious at this point. However, I think I just really took this after a week of him playing or so. So definitely a little early, but... Like, this is legit. 20 games in, and he's had very few stinkers, and I think he's really solidified himself as the clear number two to LaMelo. And you also love to see, it's another one of those stories where he bet on himself. He had a, a contract on the table, you know, that's that's guaranteed money in a sense, and he declined it. Decided to bet on himself, and he's definitely hooping this year. He's definitely played his way into a max, in my opinion. Like, definitely, not no fucking 200 million super max, but he's gonna get paid some nice money. But when it comes to Mob Bridges, man, respect to the bro. He's definitely hooping this season. I just hope he's able to sustain it and coast his way to an MIP award. Next up, staying on the East Coast, Scotty Barnes is not only going to win Rookie of the Year, but has some of the most upside out of anyone in this draft. Now, this one's been a little shaky recently. However, that's in comparison to his play, not just rookie play in general. I think he's still leading it for Rookie of the Year. He's having his stink now. But when it comes to Scotty Barnes, he's playing solid for an NBA player. 
but amazing for a rookie. So regardless of if he's struggling or not, I think you still you still have your guy found in a sense, I think. Well, I don't want to solidify him saying like that's my number one option going forward. He's he's got the keys kind of thing. They've all they sort of done that. But on a team where you still have solid guys like Fred Van Vliet, OG Ananobi's having a really good season. You just got Pascal Siakam back. This gives you more hope that the Raptors will definitely work their way back up to playoff contention. I don't know about being contenders, but they got a fun little team there. They've been stinking it up on the defensive end. However, I don't think that's nothing that they can't work on and you know figure out, especially with an amazing coach that they have in Nick Nurse. Now, last one here, this was near and dear to my heart because this man, well, it was just a knee sprain, thankfully, but real scary writing about this yesterday. Uh, this one's about Ja. Ja Morant will not only make his first All-Star game, but is a clear favorite for MIP and will be a consensus top 10 point guard at the end of the season. Man, regardless, prayers up for Ja. He banged knees and you never want to see that. He's been on a tear this season, though. Definitely All-Star numbers, and I'm just praying for health. Now, when it comes to the MIP thing, that one might be a little bit of a stretch, just because it's, I think it's similar to Michael Porter Jr. to where he's already playing at such an elite level. It's just showing that, yeah, I'm elite. I'm going to stay elite kind of thing. However, I'm just hoping he gets some nice rest through this time that he's like going to take off to work on his injury. And either way, the Memphis Grizzlies are fun to watch, man. Just another thing where it's like, man, a little tear coming out of my eye because those boys, man, I would have definitely bought season tickets if they were still here. Nah, but either way, nah, but moving on from there, that's going to take it. That's going to do it for looking at these takes of the days. I think we'll definitely do this later on when we got a lot more. However, we're going to take a little break here. I will see you guys for our superlatives. See you in a bit. Now, when it comes to the notable games for the past couple weeks, I got a few. Let's rifle them off right here, right now. First one, Warriors-Hornets. Close game down the stretch. Wiggins showed out with 28 points. And Curry, man, almost had a triple-double. 24 points, 6 rebounds, 10 assists. Woo! But... The Charlotte Hornets came to play. Six players in double digits, including three with 20 plus. Led by Bridges with 22 and 8. Lamelo with 21 points, 7 rebounds, 5 assists, and 3 steals. Whew, scary Terry with the 20 piece. But, gotta bring it back to Miles Bridges. He iced the game with a nice little hook shot there. Regardless, the Hornets were definitely, not definitely, they were on a little bit of a losing streak coming into that game. I think to get that game over a team that's considered, not necessarily consensus, but at this time of recording, is the best team in the West, you'll definitely take it. Next game is another Warriors game. I, I, I got a little bit of a bias towards them. That's because my mom loves the Warriors. But either way, Warriors-Nets. Curry with a 37-piece and the highlight play. Whew. Draymond Green almost had a triple-double. James Harden with 24. Meh. However, I think the big headline coming out of this game was the fact that Kevin Durant, one of the greatest scorers, if not the greatest scorers of all time, had his first game of the season where he scored less than 20 points. To make matters worse, KD and Harden combined for a plus-minus of fucking negative 46. So when you look at this game, definitely a statement game for sure. This is a game that coming into it, I think Warriors definitely had circled as well as KD definitely. But either way, prior to that, I think a lot of people were very skeptical of the Warriors in that, oh, they played they played a fairly weak schedule so far. But for a team that a lot of people have like penciled in coming out the East, they dogged them. Now after that... Let's head over to the next game I thought was dope. The Blazers and Bulls. Biggest win for the Blazers so far. No one player really took over. It was a very solid, you know, team win for the Blazers. If there was one player that took over the whole game, though, closest was probably Zach with 30. However, as I said earlier, overall good team win. You love to see it. After that, this one's just gonna... Honestly, I'm just gonna say every notable game or every, every game with a game winner, I'm gonna note as a notable game. Well, I mean, Grizzlies Jazz. Game winner! 
Love the Grizzlies, and this is definitely their biggest win of the season so far. I think aside from the Warriors, a lot of people think the Jazz are the best team in the West. But, as I said, a bunch of earlier issues, that's only really in the regular season. Utah's got to do that shit in the playoffs, which they haven't done in the past few years. After that, we got Lakers-Pacers, the Sam Cassell celebration. However, fuck those Pacers fans, though. You should never wish anyone dead. And not only that, let's add in the one more. Like, right now, I only have, this is my last one, but considering that this game played out last night, I gotta show some love to it. Sacramento and the Los Angeles Lakers. A game that went into triple overtime. That means they played an hour of ball. Straight ball. Straight just men pounding balls on the ground. Crazy. But either way, you love to see that that's their first win with this new head coach. Or not new head coach, because Alvin Gentry's been there for a bit. But it's their first win post-Luke Walton era. Kind of poetic that's against the Lakers, but yeah, I'm just hoping that this is a nice turnaround point for them. Hopefully, the fact that they had this mid-coach change is very similar to uh, Atlanta Hawks with Nate McMillan and how they were able to, you know, really put it all together. Definitely not going to make the conference finals like they did. You just hope that this is a nice step in the next direction. Now we're going to take a short intermission here before we head on to the Who's on Fire. See y'all in a bit. Now when it comes to Who's on Fire right now, there's only one team that really could get this right now. It's the place that's going to be burning up, Phoenix. The Phoenix Suns are on a 15-game win streak as of today when I'm recording on Saturday. But when you look at them, they're starting to get into a groove. They're playing like the team that made it to the NBA Finals last year, but obviously lost. Nah, all shit set aside. Yeah, I think a team that's really like starting to get into the groove of things right now is the Phoenix Suns. Again, 15-game win streak. That's crazy. Now, when it comes to disappointing teams, I got two here. First one is the Pacers. They should be solid, but right now, they're 13th in the East so far. And I think that's their ceiling as it is right now, again, I think is the play-in, which they did last year, but they lost. I think that team has reached its ceiling as a core group. There's so many injuries on that team that crazy so i think they should definitely look to blow up that team i think i'd only really trade maybe tj warren and miles turner because i think karis lavert is solid demontis sabonis is an all-star malcolm brogdon you can't even trade because you decided to pay the man which i love malcolm brogdon i just bought his rookie card but regardless they're just slowing that indiana again they're a mediocre ass franchise I just want to see Karis lavert play some meaningful basketball man i love that dude he's had a rough couple like years and yeah, that dude can definitely hoop. I just don't know if Indiana will be the place to do it. I hope it is though, because I don't want to see that man get traded into another situation again. Now, the next team I got here is the Pistons. They failed to hit 100 in the past three games, whether that's because they're getting clamped. Well, I mean, I watched the Clippers early game. They definitely got their ass clamped there. But regardless, failing to hit 100 in an era of basketball where the pace is just so high and teams are even hitting like 150 sometimes, definitely cause for concern there. Aside from that, they almost... Not they almost, they choked a game against the Lakers where they were leading. Almost a malice at the Palace too. And the Detroit Pistons have played their way into Jeremy Grant trade rumors. I don't know if he'll actually go. I would hope that he'd stick it out because I think the whole reason he went there was to be the man. And to a sense, I think he still is. If you trade him, he's just going to go back to being another like solid 3 and D dude. Maybe like a second or third option. But again, not the man. Now, heading from disappointing teams, let's talk about some not, not, not disappointing players and notable players. So, first one here, Giannis. Playing MVP-level basketball, granted, it's been against the lower-tiered teams. However, that confidence is going up for sure. And as I said earlier, with everybody getting healthy, the game's just going to open up more and more for the Greek freak, man. After that, Paul George. Indiana Pacers vibes, baby. No clear number two superstar on, like, the Clippers right now, obviously, because Kawhi's hurt. 
People forget how good Paul George is. Pandemic P no more, baby. I don't know about people saying he's going to be an MVP candidate because I can't see the Clippers being a high enough seed for them to constitute that. However, he's playing some of his best basketball since Indiana, in my opinion. After that, a guy that's near and dear to my heart, both because I love the Trailblazers as well as he's on my fantasy team, Dame Dalla. Finally starting to look like the top three point guard in the league that he is. He's had 20 plus every game since the dud game against the Indiana Pacers. I'm just praying that he's healthy too because as you guys, if you don't know already, he's been dealing with an abdomen injury and he attributes a lot of his early struggles to that. But when it comes to Dame, the, the league is just a lot better when he's playing solid basketball and he's starting to really pick it up. Now heading from the notable players, let's talk about the surprising players, the guys that play in solid and you just don't know if you really saw that happening. First one up, Pat Connaughton. Gotta give some love to my box here now, yo. Career year, first time averaging double digit points. Now, obviously, that means a lot of things. Number one, he's super big for the Bucks. Gives us another guy that you almost have to game plan for in a sense. And he's just another guy that plays bigger than he is. And I think it's crazy to think that prior to him really popping off, I only really saw him as like a filler dude. But nah, I think he's definitely the chemistry with him and Giannis and just the Bucks in general. That shit's there. I think the fact that he's like a decent, he's not just a catch and shoot guy. He has the ability to take you off the dribble and get to the rim. Beautiful shit right there, man. Next up, gotta give some love to a Canadian, Lou Dork. He's having a crazy year because of his play. He's not only solidified himself as a piece for the future, he's solidified himself as one of the main pieces. Could be a really good 3 and D play in my opinion. And yeah, shoot, the league is just a lot better when you got some Canadians hooping, know what I'm saying? Now heading from one Canadian, no, I gotta show some love to the other Canadian, the one that a lot of people think of from the get-go, Andrew Wiggins. Having a solid year defensively as well as offensively. And the fact that he's the third option is crazy. The Warriors are, are definitely, as I said earlier, they're the most loaded team right now. And the fact that Andrew Wiggins is there and Steve Kerr was again saying, man, you're here to play defense. Whatever happens after that happens kind of thing. Crazy to think about that. Now, I'm not going to do disappointing players because I think that's kind of negative. I don't want to shit on guys too much. Or I don't want to have just a section directly, like, catered to shitting on people. Heading from there, heading from all our superlatives. Let's talk about some takeaways. The Suns are starting to ramp back up. Like I said earlier, since absolutely getting smoked by Portland and losing a last-minute shot to the Kings. But the elephant in the room, you know, DeAndre Aiden's contract still looms. He's having a solid year. I don't know how you don't not pay him. Better do that than lose him. It's like a Rudy Gobert situation. After that, Minnesota's starting to get back at it. I mean, Cat had that comment earlier. It's like, man, yeah, you know, Minnesota, you know, four losses can turn into 20 or 30 real quick kind of thing. But since then, they've been playing solid. Anthony Edwards is looking like a super, like, highly touted dude that he is. I mean, he was a first overall pick, so obviously, I don't know, he could play his way into an all-star spot this year. You never know. After that, Indiana needs to realize that this team will not be a winning team. Should look to blow them up soon. As I said earlier, I think they should look to offload some of their pieces, rather, whether they go the youth movement. I mean, they should go the youth movement because they'd go into a bit of a rebuild, but just some form of retooling just needs to happen on that team. Next up. The Knicks are in a weird place. The bench has been significantly better. Not just better, significantly better at times. I think they're going away from their D, like their identity. I said D because a lot of their identity was the fact that they were a really good defensive team. They went from fourth in defensive rating last year to now 16th. I think a lot of that has to do with the new additions in my opinion. I think when you have Evan Fournier and Kemba Walker, none of those guys scream defensive clamper, defensive stopper, anything defensively. And that's okay in a sense, because they're there to get some motherfucking buckets. Evan Fournier, one of the best three-point shooters in the league. Kemba, one of the craftiest, quickest dudes in the league. 
but both are pretty piss poor when it comes to defense. Now, in my opinion, the Knicks will definitely turn around. However, as it is right now, they're in a weird place. Their team's not playing like they should. Tom Thibodeau's teams aren't playing like Tom Thibodeau's team should. And it's a, it's a little concerning, you know? Now, before we head into the Bucks section, let's just go over everything I just said. Notable games, Warriors Hornets, Warriors Nets, Blazers Bulls, Grizzlies Jazz, Lakers Pacers, and Lakers and Kings. On fire, the Phoenix Suns, disappointing teams, Pacers and Pistons. Notable players, Giannis Antetokounmpo, Paul George, and Dame Dalla. Surprising players, Pat Connaughton, Lou Dort, Andrew Wiggins, and takeaways, DeAndre Aiden, you gotta pay that man. Minnesota, starting to wrap it back up. Very nice to see. Indiana, blow your team up. You guys are mediocre anyways. And the Knicks are in a weird place. Now let's take a little break. I will see y'all in a little bit so we can talk about the boys, the Bucks. See y'all. Now to start off this section about the boys, your 2021, hopefully 2022 NBA champions, the Milwaukee Bucks. Let's get into some takeaways. First off, so as I said earlier, this one's coming off of two weeks, so I'm kind of starting from the Atlanta game. But either way, it is great to see Chris Middleton back. We have our number two back. I think regardless if he's playing well or not, you just like to have his presence there. Next up. After a shaky start, the Bucks are above 500. Holy shit, this was a long time coming. But now that we're starting to get a little healthier, good shit. Speaking of healthy, man, I got December 4th and 8th circled. That's what those are our games against the Miami Heat. Blew us out, but we did not have a lot of our team on that game. So it should definitely be a war there. Definitely excited to watch that game after that. Drew has been super, super, super shaky, but is starting to play like his usual self. I think it's less pressure offensively because of what Grayson brings. So I think with Drew, as much as you love to see it when he gets him his licks on the offensive end, definitely you got to remember the fact that he's there for defensive purposes mainly. The offensive is a bonus. And again, as I said earlier, with Grayson Allen there, I think that takes off a lot of the pressure. Because with Dante DiVincenzo, he's another guy that, as much as his offense is great, you really have him there for his defense. Now, heading from there, let's go game by game, starting with the Hawks. Now, a new thing I'm going to do for the pod is I'm going to give every game a little tagline for the Hawks. Revenge is a dish best served at home. When it comes to this game, there are barely, if any, positives. I think we played catch up, not I think, we definitely, we played catch up the entire time and we couldn't really place like our set offense. I think we really had to, you know, force the tempo. I think when you play like that, it's very hit or miss. You either win big or lose big in that sense. We had to force a lot of shots. I think that's evidence in how Giannis shot one for five from the three. It's telling you that. But man, I got to give the players their flowers. Ice Trey, the gang had 42, 18 in the first quarter, all through threes. Thankfully, though, he didn't hit the 50-piece on us because that would have been just... That would have been another bow-in-the-garden moment. But either way, it gets even worse from there. 30-51 to 51 on rebounds. That is definitely not something you want to see. The most alarming thing, though, was 4-15 to 15 on the offensive rebounds. This game left a bad taste in the mouth of the boys. And they knew they had to come back hard. Especially next game. When we played the Lakers, the tagline I got for this, the Giannis vs. AD showdown. As I said earlier... This was Giannis' best game since game six of the finals. One of the best games all season, in my opinion. It's number two to the Nets. But Giannis had 47 and shot 75% from three. Mwah! Beautiful. You love to see that. It was a good team win aside from that. And man, Giannis was AD's fucking dad that night. But either way, for the Lakers, man, 
THT played like the player everyone thinks he can be. Everyone's thinking this guy's like gonna be the next fucking Kobe or some shit. And he's played a little bit like Buns the past few games, but this game he had 25, so respect. Now when it came to the game against the Thunder, this was a pattern all too familiar. Good team win. However, shit got a little too close for comfort at the end there, man. But again, overall, good team win. Giannis had a nasty game. 21 and 19. So, 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 so close to a 2020 game. And when it comes to the Thunder, I gotta give a shout out to Darius Baisley. He played actually pretty solid defense on Giannis. I think he had like four blocks and maybe three of them were on Giannis. I don't, don't quote me on that. Yeah, the Thunder are a good young team. And I think this was a game that despite losing, the fact that you didn't lose by that much, that's a W. Especially considering they didn't have their actual head coach. I think their actual head coach had like a baby or something. Congrats. I think it's like Mark Dignald or something. Either way, that shit got a little too close at the end there. Now when it came to the Magic Volume 1, seriously, what the fuck? That's the tagline I got here. This should have been free cheese. A young rebuilding team and they cut a 20 point plus lead to single digits. Thankfully though, there wasn't more time on the clock. But regardless, Giannis fucking dogged him. 32 points, 20 rebounds, 5 assists, 2 steals, and 3 blocks. Holy shit. And Bobby Ponis! 24 points, 15 rebounds, including 6 for 7 from the 3. Not only that, 4 other players in double digits. Mwah, you love to see that. But either way, a W is a W regardless, but man. Come on now, we gotta close out those games to get those kind of teams. Now when it came to the Magic V2, my tagline is, There we go. A 41-point quarter and a 41-point lead at halftime. You know, when it comes to this, you love it when the Bucks win and none of the starters play over 25 minutes. That means it was a blowout. That way we got to get those guys out, get them nice and rested for the next game. Got to see some of the young guys play out. Either way, Giannis almost had a triple-double. 12, 8, and 9. Seven players in double digits, and that was just an overall solid team domination. Now, in a game against the Pistons, the tagline I got here, free cheese. Didn't lose a single quarter. Mwah. Giannis had a solid game, 28, 8, and 9 with four blocks. Whew. And it was another game where the starters didn't have to play all that much, all under 28 minutes. Just a good team smackdown, baby. And for the game that happened yesterday against the Nuggets, free cheese. That's the tagline I got again. Because it was free cheese, man. The Nuggets were down three guys who are being paid a combined 90 plus million next year. So if I'm then, I don't necessarily see this as a defeat. You only lost by 11 to the defending champs. You'll take that any day of the week. Regardless, you obviously would have wanted the W. But if you were to lose, you want to lose closely. At least in my opinion. But man, I'm going to shout out some of the Nuggets players right here. Aaron Gordon, who's playing some of the best basketball of his life. And showing why healthy Nuggets would definitely be contenders. Because in that game, he was like maybe the number, not maybe, he was the number one option. A fully healthy team, he's your fourth option, and he plays super solid defense. That's scary. As well as Facundo Campazzo. Nice spark plug off the bench. Solid dude. But Milwaukee, man. Milwaukee didn't come to play today. Giannis. 24 points, 13 rebounds, 7 assists. Chris Middleton. 17 points, 5 rebounds, 7 assists. Drew Holiday. 16 points, 5 rebounds. Six assists on 70% from the field. Not only that, Pat Connaughton with another 20-piece baby. And overall, the Bucks amassed a really solid lead early in game, but then turnovers started to happen. The Bucks had 19, and the Nuggets definitely capitalized as much as they could as they turned that into an extra 24 points. But, love to see it. The boys did not waver. 
As much as it sucks that they've been choking away massive leads, they still led slash won most games. Now, if they start to lose those games like the first one against the Knicks, then we got a problem. But either way, it's happy to see the Bucks leave victorious from the Mile High City. Now, let's take one more little break before we head into the upcoming games this week, as well as just an overall, you know, little bow on this thing. Now, for the upcoming games, as in the ones from the day I'm uploading this, well, the day I'm uploading this, we're playing the Pacers. But from here to the next issue, again, we're playing the Pacers, the Hornets, and the Raptors. Three teams I think we really match up good against. Either there's no mismatches or we have the mismatches. Looking at you like Charlotte. Man, that Charlotte game, Giannis and Bobby should feast. Especially considering they only have, really have one true center. But either way, that is going to do it. But before we end off, let's just, you know, conclude this little bow here. Or this thing here. And just some overall comments. As well as giving out the co-MVP award. Because obviously Giannis is the MVP of this team. No doubt. Now, the main takeaway from this week is that the boys are heating up. These were all games we should have won, and the Bucks did. We're the first time this whole season, except for the very first game, we're above 500. You love to see that. I'm just hoping that we just take this momentum and ride it. Really ride it. I'm not saying we're definitely not going to win out the rest of the season. That's, that's impossible. But this could definitely be the turning point where the Bucks really start to climb their way back up to like the top of the East. Now, when it comes to the co-MVP award, there's only one true answer for this. Bobby Buckets Portis. He's been hooping since Atlanta's got us good, man. Like, that was a real big, like, slapping. But either way, the best game he had was a 24-15 and 15 in the first against the Orlando Magic. Again, as I said earlier, 6 for 7 from 3. That's some Steph Curry shit right there, baby. From Atlanta to now, he's been averaging 18-10. and 10, And not only that, he's got a plus-minus of plus 68. That's some good shit right there. But either way, just imagine, when Brooke Lopez back and Dante DiVincenzo are back, that second unit, whew, because you're going to have George Hill, Grayson, not Grayson Allen, Dante DiVincenzo, I think he should, I think he should come off the bench. That's a whole other issue, but let me just restart that. George Hill, Dante DiVincenzo, Bobby Portis, Jordan Nawara, Rodney Hood, Semi, in my opinion, is kind of buns, but Semi's there. <laughs> either way, when you just look at that bench unit, that could definitely be one of the best in the league. But either way, that is going to do it for another issue of the Bucks and Six podcast. Thank you guys for tuning in. Have a good rest of your days. And remember, the only guarantees in life are death, taxes, and Bucks and Six. Take care, y'all. That's the coach.